series, our last series, uh, Heading Home, uh, one of our uh, illustrations that I shared within that was about a word. And it was based off of that word and that illustration that I felt like, you know, we kind of maybe need a series just on this topic, and that is uh, priority. I don't know if you looked on the front of your bulletin and you thought, Jordan, you don't know how to spell anymore. All of that's very intentional. It's based on the simple illustration that up until 1940, the plural form of the word priority didn't exist. And so I was thinking about this, and, and here's my hook on this. Uh, it's the only thing from grammar class in English that I actually remember. That you want to, that when you turn a word that ends with a Y into plural, what is it that you do? You drop the Y and you add I-E-S. And this series is about not dropping your Y, W-H-Y. That's my hook. What do you think? Yeah. All right. Let's not drop, oh, I got an applause from Laura. I'm good for a while now. When we think about not dropping our Y, I, I think of a company that has not dropped their Y, W-H-Y. And it's, uh, we're all familiar with it. It's Jesus Chicken, Chick-fil-A. Uh, they don't drop their Y. And here's what I mean by that is they provide quality chicken with excellent customer service. If you were to walk into any Chick-fil-A across the country, you would say great chicken and excellent customer service. And so they have that as their why. I've never sat in a meeting with any executive from Chick-fil-A, but I can guarantee that those, that's their why. Because they won't do anything that will detract from their purpose. And so they're not going to introduce hamburgers to Chick-fil-A. They're not going to add to their menu because that will detract from their purpose. So they have this sort of singular uh, priority. When we think about our lives, what is it that, uh, that you would say if someone looked at your life and said, this is their priority? Would they be able to see clearly what your priority is in your life? Or would they see you uh, kind of in a frenzied mess of multitasking? And I think that this series, I, I spent uh, quite a bit of time thinking about this message and how to start it off because I think that I need to turn this inwardly. <laughs> I need this for my own life of just how much I have multitasked and how much my life is a sort of frenzied mess. Granted, coming out of summer where there's no routine and there's lots of craziness, it's probably not as... Uh, not as uh, like normal when the school year hits and there's a little more rigid rigidness to our schedule. Uh, but I can get that way, a little too multitasked, too uh, frenzied, too crazy, too confused about what is my singular priority in my life. When I think about uh, this series as a whole, though, and where to start, I want to start in Psalm 27. And to give a little preface to Psalm 27, I think it's important to know Perhaps what was going on in the life of David when he wrote it. Now, I can't be 100% slam dunk. This is when David wrote Psalm 27. We don't always get those sort of time markers. But I think this is when he wrote Psalm 27. And it's somewhere around the chapter of 1 Samuel, chapter 19 through 22. And if you uh, have David's life memorized, at this moment in David's life, he's a son-in-law to Saul. And Saul is king, and 
David is not yet set to be king, but he has already fought many battles and they've already started celebrating David and Saul is incredibly jealous of David. And that jealousy is stirring in Saul and Saul is ready to kill David. And so David and Jonathan are going back and forth in 1 Samuel uh, 19 and 20 and and David's like, I think your dad's trying to kill me. And Jonathan's like, no, no, dad's not trying to kill you. No, I think he's trying to get me. And they kind of go back and forth for a while. And then Jonathan goes, uh, yeah, dad's looking to kill you now. Uh, we probably need to get out of this mess. And so David, he goes on the run. And the enemies, uh, his enemies, Saul's army, are chasing after David. And truly, Saul wants David's head on a pike. And I think it's in this context in which what David is uh, writing in Psalm 27 is an expression of how he feels about God and what he is calling him to. When I think about my own prayer life, in situations when my life is incredibly difficult, I wonder what, what is it that I pray for? I usually pray for peace. I usually pray uh, that there would be no conflict, that, that there would be no harm. When people look in or if they were to listen into your prayer life, what would they hear you pray in those circumstances? Right. Asked another way, if you, got, if you had one prayer, like the rest of your life you only get one prayer, what would that prayer be? Or maybe asked uh, another way, if you had one prayer that you could guarantee to be answered, what would that prayer be? You know, I would think something along the lines of, uh, this is a real petty one, but dear Lord, would you please let the Detroit Lions win a Super Bowl? <laughs> He's got this thing against Lions, though, so I don't think that it'll ever happen. Uh, so it'd be a wasted prayer, but you know, if you can get one guaranteed one. Now, we wouldn't pray for something as frivolous, but as exciting as that might be. I know you all think I'm nuts, which I am, I know. What would our prayer be if we had one prayer that we know God would answer? What would you pray? Lord's Prayer? What no would we do? No one goes hungry? That we would solve world conflict? That there would be peace on the earth? David gets his last prayer. At least he thinks it's his last prayer. His exterior surroundings are saying, this might be it for me. My enemies are bearing down. They are coming after me. I may not live to see the morning. And this is his prayer. The Lord is my light and my salvation. Whom shall I fear? The Lord is the stronghold of my life, who will I ever be afraid of? When the wicked advance against me to devour me, it is my enemies and my foes who will stumble and fall. Though an army besiege me, my heart will not fear. Though war break out against me, even then I will be confident. One thing I ask. One thing I ask from the Lord. This only do I seek, that I may dwell in the house of the Lord all the days of my life to gaze on the beauty of the Lord and to seek him in his temple for in the day of trouble he will keep me safe in his dwelling he will hide me in the shelter of his sacred tent 
and set me high upon a rock. Then my head will be exalted above the enemies who surround me at his sacred tent. I will sacrifice with shouts of joy. I will sing and make music to the Lord. Hear my voice when I call, Lord. Be merciful to me and answer me. My heart says of you, seek his face. Your face, Lord, I will seek. Verse 9, do not hide your face from me. Do not turn your servant away in anger. You have been my helper. Do not reject me or forsake me, God, my Savior. Though my father and mother forsake me, the Lord will receive me. Teach me your way, Lord. Lead me in a straight path because of my oppressors. Do not turn me over to the desires, desire of my foes, for false witnesses rise up against me, spouting malicious accusations. I remain confident of this. I will see the goodness of the Lord in the land of the living. Wait for the Lord. Be strong and take heart and wait for the Lord. When I consider this psalm, there are quite a few things that sort of jump out at me, and I just want to walk through them quickly with you. David expresses confidence in God. David expresses confidence. He says, the Lord is my light, my salvation, my stronghold. For David, a life with God is intimately personal. He doesn't say, the Lord is our light, the Lord is our salvation, the Lord is our stronghold. He says, the Lord is my light, he is my salvation, he is my stronghold, he is my refuge and deliverer. David has confidence in an intimate relationship with God. In this moment where the exterior world is caving in on him, he expresses to God, you are my salvation, you are my light, you are my stronghold, I find shelter in you, you are my refuge. So David expresses a confidence in God right out of the gate. When the wicked are surrounding him, when the enemies are bearing down, despite the outward circumstances that are surrounding his life, he has confidence in God. When I, read, when I read of David's confidence and then I look at my own life, I wonder, I think I might be missing something. Who can say with such confidence uh, that they share the confidence of David? For some of you who are rock stars, you got it. For those of us and the rest of us and we're trying to figure it out, it can be difficult when life is coming at us at 100 miles per hour and there's so much conflict in our life that we don't know what's going to happen. To be able to express confidence in God to say, I know that God will deliver. I know that God cares for me. I know that he's the stronghold of my life. It can be difficult. It can be difficult when there's sickness. It can be difficult when there's death. It can be difficult when the bills are too much. It can be difficult when things aren't right. It can be difficult in our marriage. It can be difficult in our life when it feels like the outward surroundings are caving in on our life and we feel like, how do I have the confidence that David has? Better question might be, do you want that confidence? Do you want the confidence of David that faces the very worst circumstances in his exterior life? Would you like to have the confidence that says, I know the Lord, and I know he's with me, and I know he'll see me through. If you would like that, maybe just a little bit of a nod would be appreciated. Thanks, Peyton. That looked like you were 
headbanging, you know, at a rock concert. Yes. That we might have that confidence. So the question is, is how does David get that confidence? And I think that it's answered right here in the psalm. And I think it's something that we all can do. And it's something that we just fill our lives with so much that we've choked this out. The question is, is what is your one thing? What's your one thing? What's your one prayer? What's your one thing that you care about most deeply in your life? And if you were to take just snip snippets of my life in moments of time, you would say Jordan was really preoccupied in his one thing at one, at one point was football. But that's what he woke up thinking about. There's this little age in, the, uh, in, uh, in my life where it was uh, finding a girlfriend. Uh, I don't know if there's, that was awkward, but I think it's hilarious. Right? These snippets in our life. Well, now it's to be a loving husband. Now it's to be a loving dad. There were snippets in my life where the Jordan's singular focus is to be a good minister. There's a singular focus in my life. In all my life, there are these variety of different things that you might look at my life and say, this is the one thing for Jordan. What's your one thing? Here's David's. One thing. The one thing for David. The one thing I ask for from the Lord. This only do I seek. That I may dwell in the house of the Lord all the days of my life to gaze on the beauty of the Lord and to seek him in his temple. For in the day of trouble he will keep me safe in his dwelling. He will hide me in the shelter of his sacred tent and set me high upon a rock. For David, the one thing meant everything. For David, the one thing meant security in all circumstances. For David, the one thing was a life with God and a life pursuit of him. And when he gets the one thing right, he knows that everything else is cared for. We chase so many things and we make our life about so many things that we forget what the true one thing is and what uh, drives David and what brings him to peace is that there is one Lord and one Savior, one Father, one Deliverer, one Rescuer, one Stronghold, one Salvation, and it's all from the Father. And he says, this is my one thing in this very moment. If I could only have one prayer answered at the very end of my life, may it be this, that I might be with you. That I might be with God. That I might be awestruck in his beauty, in his glory, in his presence, and be filled with peace. For David, it's the one thing means everything. And when I turn this on my life, and when we reflect on our own lives, and we think about what are the many things that we go after, well, what is that one thing for you? We can't drop our why. Our why is a life with God in his presence, seeking his heart. Looking upon the beauty of God. When I reflect on this, it, it keeps sort of going. We keep uh, sort of trudging through on this. We can uh, jump down. Uh, verse 7 it says, Hear my voice when I call, Lord. Be merciful to me. Answer me. My heart says of you, seek his face. Your face, Lord, I will seek. 
In verse 9, he's, he's, he's turning towards reality, though, in a sense. He expresses a fear. He expresses the sorrow. He says, don't hide your face from me. Don't turn your servant away in anger. You've been my helper. Verse 10. All right, he says, do not reject me or forsake me, God, my Savior. Verse 10. Though my father and mother forsake me, the Lord will receive me. David, he talks about the exterior world at the front of it. But then I think he starts speaking from his interior person. He says, the world can bear down on you, but then there are relationships and there are things that may falter and fail. My father and mother, they may pass away. They may have, we may have conflict and we may be separated. The closest, most personal relationships of our life, the things that fill us from the inside out, even those things can be lost. David is not only looking at the exterior, but the interior of his heart. And he's saying, God, all of this can fall away. But the way I can face these circumstances, the way that I can express that the Lord is my light and salvation and my rescuer and my stronghold, my salvation, the reason why I can express that is because I know this one thing. I make my life about one thing. Though everything might fall away, teach me your way, Lord. Lead me in a straight path because of my oppressors. Don't turn me over to my foes. Don't, don't send me away. He says, I remain confident of this. I will see the goodness of the Lord in the land of the living. Wait for the Lord. Be strong and take heart and wait. For the Lord. What will your one thing be? What will be the one thing that you pray for? What will the priority of your life be? For David, when he makes the priority God, it gives him confidence to face all of the trials and all of the struggles of his life. I think Paul may have had this in mind when he wrote about our life and our victory and our hope in Jesus Christ in Romans 8. In Romans 8, 28, he says, And we know that in all things God works for the good of those who love him. Who've been a called, who have been called according to his purpose. For those God foreknew, he also predestined to be conformed to the image of his Son, that, we, that he might be the firstborn among many brothers and sisters. And those he predestined, he also called. Those he called, he also justified. Those he justified, he also glorified. Paul says, when we get the one thing, Jesus, we can face all things. When we get the one thing right in a relationship with God, we can handle all of the rest. And then he starts swinging for the fences in 831. What then shall we say in response to these things? If God is for us, who can be against us? He who did not spare his own son but gave him up for us all, how will he not also 
along with him, graciously give us all thanks. Who will bring any charge against those whom God has chosen? It is God who justifies. Then Who then is the one who condemns? No one. Christ Jesus, who died more than that, who was raised to life, is at the right hand of God, and he's interceding for us. Who shall separate us from the love of Christ? When the enemies bear down on our lives, when there is difficulty in our interior life and exterior life, when the circumstances have reached a boiling point, and I don't know what's next, and I don't know what to pray, and I don't know what's moving forward in my life, who will separate me from the love of Christ? Shall trouble, or hardship, or persecution, or famine, or nakedness, or danger, or sword, as it is written, for, for your sake we face death all day long. We are considered as sheep to be slaughtered. No, in all of these things, we are more than conquerors through him who loved us. For I am convinced that neither death nor life, neither angels nor demons, neither the present nor the future, nor any powers, neither height nor depth, nor anything else in all creation will be able to separate us from the love of God that is in Christ Jesus our Lord. When we get the one thing, we get everything. When we get Jesus as our Lord and our Savior, we get a stronghold in our life. When we get Jesus as our Lord and Savior, we get the light in the midst of darkness. When we get Jesus, we get one who is our salvation, our deliverer, our rescuer, and nothing stands against Christ. He is victorious, and he shares that victory with us. So the question is, is what is your one thing? The one thing that David sought is a life with God. Will the one thing that you seek be a life with Jesus Christ? Will it be Jesus? Friends, there's about a hundred different applications, but really it all just boils down to, will I make Jesus the priority of my life? And there's practical applications to that. One, we could all snap our phones in half. I don't recommend it. I'm not going to do it. Maybe just, you know, some self-control would be good. But it's more than the distractions our phone bring us. It's the distractions of a life in which we've forgotten our why. When you were a baptized believer in Jesus Christ, you said your why from this point forward is going to be Jesus be the leader and Lord and King and Savior of my life. When your one thing is King Jesus, everything from there pours out, flows from there. When we have him, we have all that we need. And so may this message this morning remind you what your one thing is and make your life about him. Seek God first in your marriage. Seek God first in your singlehood. Seek, seek God first when you send your kid off to school this week and you, and you sell a little, celebrate a little bit 
but also seek him in your prayers for your children, your prayers for the school and how you engage it. Seek God in your work. Seek God in, your, in every aspect of every way. May your one thing be King Jesus. May he be the heartbeat of the soul of this church. That when we go from here, people would know and they would look at this snippet in your life and they would say, I know what they love. I know what matters to them. I know what their why is. Their why is Jesus Christ. They love like no other community has loved before. They have cared for people in a way that no one has ever cared before. There is something different about them and that difference is that they love the Lord. And when they face trials and circumstances and problems and difficulties and when it feels like the world is caving in on them, the Etna Green Church of Christ knows what their why is. Because the one thing that they've sought is a life with God and a life glorifying Him. And no matter what the circumstances are, they love the Lord. They love Him through and through. David says, don't forsake me. Don't turn your face from me. And the Lord faced that for us on the cross. The Lord forsake him. The face of God turned from him. So that all of us may never experience that. That our Father would never forsake us. That we might have life in him. That neither death, nor darkness, nor pain, nor suffering, nor any of that, you would be separated from the love of God through Christ Jesus. When you have Him, you have everything. Let's pray. God, we love you. We praise you. We thank you for Jesus, our Lord, and our Savior. We thank you that when we have Jesus, we have all that we need. That he is our stronghold, he is our light, he is our salvation. Lord, when we make you king, when we call upon you and confess you as our Lord and our Savior, the temptations to wander from that truth, wander from that commitment, that covenant, uh, Lord, the temptations and the struggles are many. Whether, God, we've faced a lot of worry this week and anxiety and trouble, whether or not we've faced pain or suffering or death, whether or not we've had a great week and it's been really good, and the good and the bad and the ordinary and mundane, let us not lose sight of what our why is, to seek you, to seek your heart, to seek your will, to seek your presence, to seek a life from you. And all of those things, Lord, that compete, that detract, that pull us away, we just pray, God, that this week, this day, this moment, we would feel your presence. We would be changed through your power. And we would be encouraged through your spirit to seek you above all else. Lord, help us not to drop our why this week and fix our heart on you. We love you and praise you. It's in Jesus' name. Amen. We stand in response.